See hello, hello. See what I'm saying, right? See? Welcome see? back to another see? episode. That's why I said I let her handle Malaysian Soul Podcast. Portion, I will start again. What up, though? What up, though? Because <laughs> uh, you're from the D, well, I'm from the E. There is no such thing as from the E, but um, Malaysian Soul Podcast coming back to you every Wednesday, uh, talking about uh, current events. Um, highlighting role models, entrepreneurs, um, mm-hmm. community leaders, people making a difference, as well as shedding additional light on Black and Asian community um, after vit- the vitriol that both communities have received for the past, I don't know, two years now or something like that, ever since like the pandemic started popping off. Have um, we been doing this for two, almost two years? Almost two years. Oh, my goodness. That's what's up. That's wow. What's up. We need to do like a anniversary type deal. Dang, going on. that's dang. Five months, it'll back. be two years. You're right. That's what's up. That is We've what's been up. faithfully doing this every Wednesday. She looked at me. <laughs> she looked at me like, I don't know how I do it with you, but I somehow I do I this every Wednesday. I don't know how I do this. No, but you know, it, it, it has been some challenging times to try to make this happen every week, but we know how important it is. The both of us, you know, we're busy entrepreneurs and business uh, men and women. And so we do this from our heart. We do this because we know how important it is to highlight Black and Asian leaders and community leaders, change makers, because of what the media portrays us. We're not just a virus. We're not just thugs. We're not just a victim of society. We are among us role models, heroes, entrepreneurs, change makers, all the above. And so that's why this is so important to us. And we make it happen every week, regardless how exhausting or tired we are. We make it happen and we highlight these leaders that we bring to you to share their knowledge and their expertise and what they're doing. And so hopefully you can also be inspired Whatever the dream is, whatever it is that you your heart desires to go after, become your own entrepreneur or just chase the, the American dream, right? And so we hope that that will encourage you to do that. The successful dream, not necessarily the American dream. The but successful um, dream. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, whenever you take time out of your schedule, mm-hmm. you know, with kids and, and you know, um, your business that you run or your job or your spouse, um, you know, it, it it is time consuming, um, and you know we don't we we do this out of the generous generosity of our hearts. We don't get paid for it, um, but uh, we think it's important that these messages are told. The reason why we started this is we had a family member when we were having one of those heated holiday discussions. Um, a family member said, "Well, the problem is is that uh, the black community doesn't have enough role models and leaders out there." Um, and we thought that that was, well, I personally thought that was the mm-hmm. dumbest thing I've ever heard in my lifetime. Um, so instead of getting into a heated battle that would do nothing to change that narrative, we thought let's highlight. Let's uh, bring them on. Yeah, let's, let's highlight some role models and community the Asian leaders and, out there. Uh, um, black community leaders. Because it's not just uh, actors and athletes mm-hmm. and things of that nature. It's people right in your own community who are making a difference. So those Absolutely. people should be highlighted. Absolutely. Um we talk about current events. I just wanted to, I don't know whether or not even they can see that because of the glare. Oh my but goodness. this is this this is a uni- University of Penn's, uh, Penn's uh, University of Pennsylvania, um, a professor there. Mm-hmm. And she was on the Tucker Car- Carson show last night. Now, okay. Tucker, Tucker Carson alone, that name brings a, a certain vitriol. Um, from the way that he speaks and what his views are. But anyway, just to, you know, some people say, well, you know, having a Blasian Soul podcast is uh, creating a divide amongst people and cultures, um, which I think is silly. But when people ask us, why do we do this? Mm -hmm. This is a perfect example of this, Mm -hmm. is that uh, this professor that teaches um, law Mm -hmm. at the University of Pennsylvania went on national TV last night and said that, uh, the U.S. would be better off with fewer Asians mm. and that black and Asians are resentful to Western success, white, white, white folks domination or success. And Ooh. that's one of the big problems we have is that she's teaching her class. Test? And she's teaching her, and, and the National Black Law Students Association and the National Asian Pacific American Law Student Association 
uh, has put, penned a letter to have her disbarred, have her removed um, wow. from uh, the school because she's teaching this. Um, now, just think, when I was in college, if I would have heard somebody mm-hmm. say that, first of all, we would have probably done more than right. pen a letter. There'd have been some marches, things of nature. But um, this is why we do what we do because there are our mm-hmm. narratives and messages out there like this. So she's telling young law students that um, the U.S. will be better off without Asians and that blacks are resentful wow. because of how successful uh, Western society is. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah. Um, first of all, the, one of the main reasons why Western civilization <laughs> is as successful as it is, is because it was on the backs of blacks creating this nation and building this nation mm-hmm. up, as well as Asians who had to come over and basically build the rail, mm-hmm. railroad structure mm-hmm. from the ground up. So yeah. um, that's a little disingenuous to um, say something like that. But if you ever wonder why we do this and, and you know why do you guys mm-hmm. feel the need to get this narrative out, it's reasons like this right here. Um, if they're going to come out and say things that are detrimental, then it's our job to combat that with uh, our own narrative. So, right, right. Um, well, and the other eye-opening, it's, I wouldn't say so much uh, an incident, but I had to speak at two different events this past weekend, and I was so in shock at the lack of education that there was surrounding, I posed the question of how many people know the difference between a refugee and an immigrant? The first, the first event, I had only one person raise her hand, and that's because she was a refugee. The second event, nobody raised their hands. And so I was in awe out of 400 people that I spoke in front of that only one person knew the difference between a refugee and an immigrant. And I had to explain and educate that we as a refugee came by, by force, you know, And the second question that I had posed was, how many people know about the secret war on Laos? Nobody raised their hand. Like nobody knew that the US CIA bombed Laos for nine years, my country where we had to leave from, for nine years. Nobody raised their hand out of 400 people. And so this is the world we live in. And this is why we have these discussions. This is why we have the podcast is to educate and to, you know, highlight those leaders within our communities. And and the reason I believe that is, is because we've become numb to when we go abroad and provoke change. And, And when I say provoke change, that's a nice way of saying we meddle in a lot of people's business that we shouldn't. So there's been wars, of course, in Laos. There's been wars in Yemen, in Syria, in Iran, in Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. in Iraq, um, that at times we are the perpetrators um, of this. But it's become so commonplace for us to do that, that it's not a shock when you say, did you know this? And did you know that? Um, It's not a shock. Uh, We put a lot of our armed servicemen in danger constantly mm-hmm. um and you know i feel that we should not well and that segues to it's not a shock and which is disgusting well not it's disturbing that it's no longer a shock anymore when i'm like did you hear about the black kid that got shot by a cop and it's not even a shock anymore to people well people rationalize that what i've you know, I've had some some debates. Was well, like again, like that's all here. Oh, okay, like it's another story, but it shouldn't be like that. No, but it, the heated debate is that people have gotten to the point where they feel that they have to rationalize mm-hmm. why this happens because right. and make up their own narrative. Yeah, people automatically want to take a side. So right. um, if they hear that another shooting or things mm-hmm. of that nature, the first thing I hear is, "What did they do? Right. They shouldn't have ran from the police." Um, you know, they shouldn't have gotten involved in the struggle. And all of these things might be true to a certain extent, but struggling with the officer or um, not complying should not be a death sentence. No, it shouldn't. There are many different ways, especially if you are truly trained in the right way mm-hmm. to handle that situation. After you call for backup, mm-hmm. you got to think, I got about five right. minutes until backup arrives. So whatever I'm going to do, as long as I don't feel my life is in danger, then this is a, a situation right. that I can handle to a certain degree. Right. Um, but 
So with that said, yeah, kind of segue to our guest speaker for tonight. If anybody, he would know more than you know any of us at least about security and armed and all that. So, so without further ado, we welcome Mark Garner for tonight's show as our special guest. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, hello. What's going on, Mark? Nothing much, man. I was I was good sitting here just listening to y'all. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't even want to talk. I was like, what else they got to say? This is good. Hey, and for those who don't know, uh, this man is a trained professional. Um, you know, I liken it to, do you ever watch those movies where um, somebody's taking over the White House or they're taking over Air Force One and the guys that they, the special group of guys that they have go in to secure the situation? Okay. This is the real life version of that um, as far as being trained and tactical, um, you know, knowing, you know, extensively about firearms and being able to teach people in the proper ways to use this man was in the military. Um, you know, he is a real life, uh, you know, um, military or, or hero to that degree. The Air Force One, the, mm -hmm. you know, oh, we're going to send this guy in. So first of all, Mark, why don't you tell I'm sorry, go. No. My uh, just just a correction, real quick. I don't want people to be perturbed. Uh, one of my former partners is my oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so why don't you tell people initially, um, what you do? All right, so uh, I own Absolute Security Group based out of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. We are an armed security protection team that protects musicians, celebrities, dignitaries. Uh, political figures when uh, they come into Grand Rapids. Um, our our duties can cover a, ride, a, a very wide range from simple uh, vehicle escorts to close quarters protection. Mm -hmm. um, and what we do, security, what we do is it's like an onion. It's a it's a layer. And we're that we're that internal core. You know, we do offer site security at several places. Um, but what we really focus on is the primary, that core piece and person. We provide that person with uh, executive protection and security. Okay. Now you have absolute security group, um, but you also have a secondary business. Um, Correct. Legion Correct. Tactical? Correct. Uh, I also uh, started Legion Tactical Firearms Training Academy a couple mm -hmm. of years ago just because I saw there was a missing piece for minorities and the information being shared to them about their rights when it comes to carrying and owning firearms. So um, I finished all my schooling for that, got licensed to uh, teach those gun classes. And uh, that's a that's a passion. That's a real joy. Um, I actually have a class coming up this Saturday with a group. I, so. learn. I do, too. <laughs> well, first, we'll you, have to, one of your classes. you have to get your foil first. You don't have your car yet. I got my car. Right. So right, I'm, right. I'm good. I'm good. You're, yeah, that's right. You're in Illinois, so it's it's a little different, state to state, a difference. And but that's that's so important. You bring that up. People don't know their own laws in their own states. That before you can get a CPL or a concealed carry license in Illinois, you have to have that that card first. Right, right, right. So tell us that now. This is such an interesting um, kind of industry to get into. Um, mm -hmm. I actually one of my best friends, Marlon. He's become an avid gun owner, has purchased several guns, <laughs> um, goes to the range all the time. And he actually was asking me about your your tactical uh, classes. classes. So tell me, how do you get involved in this industry? So, you know, if I could be totally honest, my tactical training of all places really was elevated when I got involved with church security, believe oh, wow. it or not. Wow. Um, I just ended up linking up with a lot of like-minded individuals like myself with self-defense. And I got hooked up with a uh, company started by some army special forces guys that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done a lot of training and working with military groups and um, they started this company um, and I became a student. You know, I was someone who already kind of knew the ins and outs of things, but it was an opportunity for me to sit back, be quiet, and just be a sponge and learn everything I could from these guys, combat vets who who really were sharpened in their skill set. 
Um, and that's that's truly like how I got involved. It was, man, mid, late 2000s. And um, there's just a time where churches were being attacked constantly and people were trying to figure out how can we defend churches here? Do we get armed personnel? Do we do we train our own? And um, that's literally how it got started for me with, with the higher level of training. Wow. Wow. Now, growing up, is this something that you were interested in? Or is it, or is it later in life that you kind of got interested in protection and, and, and things of that security? Right. Um, I believe it's something that I've, I've truly always had a passion for. I always thought as a kid that I would get into law enforcement. Okay. And so that's, that's kind of where I was focused at for a lot of my younger years. I went to, I went to school, I went to college for criminal justice. Um, but back then when I was of age to potentially get in, was when law enforcement nation nationwide had a huge hiring boom in the early 2000s or late 90s, actually. So when I was coming of age and being ready in the early 2000s, there were no law enforcement jobs. Um, and it's just funny, too, how, you know, I spent so much time and effort. I even considered uh, applying and working in law enforcement out of state. Mm-hmm. And all those doors would be shut and closed. And it was roadblock after roadblock until um, I, just start, I, I decided to start this company and do my own thing. And uh, that's when God really started opening doors. And that's what led me to realize this is where I'm supposed to be. What's up? Oh, wow. That's what's up. That's kind of cool. Now, you say that, you know, you started out in kind of church security and, and, and learning through that. And it was such a need for that type of security. Um, but then you kind of morphed into, I mean, you've told me about some pretty high mm-hmm. name people that you've provided security for in Grand Rapids to you know, right. the reigns of the world. So is it different when you are protecting like a structure, like a church, as opposed to these uh, celebrities who come in for one or two nights? And, you know, mm-hmm. is there, there's a different level of security that you have to give one as opposed to the other? Right. Uh, there, it, it, it definitely can be because the mission focus is different. Okay. You know, if you're if you're guarding a church or, you know, an entire entity building, you know, there's so many more. I mean, in, in my line of work, there's so many interests and exits and right. escape routes to to configure and think of. Whereas when you're guarding just a celebrity of sorts. You still you still map out your routes and ways that you're going to take, but your primary is this one sole person here, right. and and your team more than anything. That's my primary. I literally tell customers like I'm not here to protect you. I'm here to protect my brothers, and you just happen to be in our midst. You right. know, um, so it definitely is a different type or a different way that you provide that service when you're when you're doing site security, it's more of a visual deterrent. Whereas definitely when you're doing executive protection and things of that nature, it can go hands-on very quick and all the the rules are totally different as well. Sure, sure. Now dealing, you know, we live in a world where um, the ability to own a gun is very prevalent. Um, Mm -hmm. They've actually changed certain laws where in some states you don't need anything to walk in and basically purchase a firearm. Right. Um, now, being a being a professional in that industry and an expert in firearms, what is your thought process on the laws that govern um, guns? Because I've heard I've heard uh, pros and cons on both sides. That you know, the more guns that um, law-abiding citizens have, the the better suited that you know we'll be able to take care of ourselves as a community. And then I heard mm-hmm. the more guns that you have out there is the more propensity for them to be used for violent activity. Right, right. So, you know, I'm I'm the guy that is constantly caught in the middle when it comes to to those type of topics. I'm I'm a huge Second Amendment supporter. Mm-hmm. However, you know, there's a local business here in uh, in West Michigan that has a slogan: "With rights come responsibilities." And sure. I truly I truly agree with that. Um, I don't believe anyone should be able to just walk into a store unchecked, unnamed unidentified and just simply buy a firearm and then go off about their day. You know, um, I think the the most critical part to that in this day and age, and we're seeing it evident every day is the mental health system in America is failing. 
Yes. And because of that, no, I, I, I have no problem. I, I own a lot of firearms and I have no problem. Yeah. Run my name. Check. You know, sure. I don't I don't mind. You know, sure. if you have nothing to hide, I don't think there's anything wrong with that system. Mm-hmm. Um, my my issue, though, is that. I don't want that to be infringed on either. If mm-hmm. I'm willing to allow you to run my name, mm-hmm. check my background, you see that I'm not a criminal, I'm not a harmful element to society, then don't make it so hard for me to mm-hmm. do what I enjoy doing either. You know, I've already, I'm already willing to jump through the hoops to do this and to do that. Okay, I passed that, let it be. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe, uh, I don't believe our nation will ever resolve the gun crime issue in America because even if you ban and outlaw firearms, Criminals aren't going to go, dang, we got to turn our guns in. Right. You know? right. So right. I, I don't think that's a solution to it at all either. So okay. I'm always on the fence with it, if I could be totally honest with you. But I, sure. I support everyone's right to mm-hmm. uh, legally own and keep firearms. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm okay with the checks and balances as well that are in place to make sure that they're not in the wrong hands. Right. Sure, sure. Now, I was surprised that when I got my foil card, uh, now I didn't get my um, concealed carry. I just mm-hmm. got my foil card to be able to own a firearm. Right. I was surprised that I didn't have to take, because remember I called you and asked you about, you know, taking CPL classes. Um, but mm-hmm. I was surprised that I didn't need any classes to purchase my gun. I just needed to go through the necessary checks and balances mm-hmm. as far as, you know, my background was concerned. So do you believe that, um, regardless of if it's uh, carry, uh, carrying concealed or just having it in your home, should training be mandatory? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I honestly, I'm not set with just the minimum mm-hmm. state requirements that are required for you to carry your CPL. Okay. You know, um, our, our kids are 17, 15 and 11. And they're my kids, so I get it. But they can walk in a gun class and pass that CPL course, no problem. And too many people walk around with too much pride and ego. Right. And Mm -hmm. a lack of ability. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Sure. I believe believe everyone who carries a firearm needs (laughs) an extreme, far greater level of training than what they're probably prepared for. You know, it, it's a lot different. Um, and I can tell you from experience, it's a lot different um, shooting at a piece of paper right. at the gun range than when it's a bad guy 10 yards away shooting back and moving. Right. right. You know, you're not prepared for that. And now you have to take into account who all is around here. Right. You know, once once you fire, once you fire a bullet from a firearm, there's no calling it back. Right. You know, and that's what I teach my students. Where's it going to go? Is it going to go where you intended it to be? Is -hmm. it going to go into the neighbor's house into the neighbor? Are you are you prepared to engage in this conflict? You know, if not, you don't need a firearm. Exactly. Exactly. And and another thing, I'll say this real quick. Um, I teach my students about these things and I tell them, you know, if if you're a punk today without Mm -hmm. a gun, tomorrow Mm -hmm. you're just a punk with a gun. And right. if you're not prepared for this situation, just because you have a firearm, don't go walking into that because you're right. not prepared for it. If you right. pass by it yesterday, pass by it today. Right. Right. Makes perfect sense. I, I agree totally that <clears throat> I don't think I don't I don't necessarily not want people to have guns um, because mm-hmm. you have to protect yourself. I, I you know, I have four kids, two daughters, a wife, a three year old. Mm-hmm. Somebody come in here is my responsibility to right. handle that situation and make sure everyone is safe. Uh, but I do feel that you have to know what you're doing with the mm-hmm. firearm. I mean, you have to know what you're doing with just about anything. So That's you right. have to know what you're doing with the firearm as well. So I, I do agree with that. Um, last week, we had a um, psychologist on that deals with mental health, and he actually has to um, run tests and screen police officers. Um, to see whether or not they're renewed and to see whether or not their mental capacity is what is needed to be a a police officer. Um, And full disclosure, 
um, you and your team um, were a part of, not just the sole members, but you were a part of security details that um, protected the NAACP when they were here, as well as Attorney Crump, as well as the family of the um, victim of the police shooting. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I know because they were your clients, there's probably certain things that you can't go into. Right. But what are your general th thoughts on that situation? Um, it's funny you bring that up. Um, the local Grand Rapids uh, NAACP president literally just texted me while we were sitting here talking because we have uh, we have the funeral for Patrick Leoya coming up this Friday. Yes. And we'll be we'll be out there um, just offering some sort of peace of mind of sorts uh, for that family and for those who will be in attendance. Um, wow, wow. You know, that that entire situation has been, uh, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, utterly tragic for uh, not just our city, but our nation and even deeper our community, because sure. here we are again, one, again. wanting answers. Yeah. Here we are again, wanting answers of mm -hmm. why, why is there another dead brother at the hands of a police officer? Right. Um, right. And no matter how you cut it, it's, it's, it's very tragic on, on, mm -hmm. on both sides. You know, my mm -hmm. prayers go out to the family. It truly does. My prayers also go out to the officer. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think people realize that they're both going through something. Um, yeah. So my prayers definitely go out to both of them. Mm -hmm. But working uh, in such close capacity with a lot of the key players involved uh, since that incident has happened, you know, from mm -hmm. from my training and um, experience, you know, I just I just I truly feel that it was something that could have been totally avoided by either party at any point in time. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree at all with getting out of your vehicle, arrest, you know, resisting an officer, running from an officer, being non-compliant. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Mm -hmm. However, you know, as as we talked about previously, I don't believe that that should be a death sentence either. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to have some sort of reform, some sort of better training. Um, that these situations, I mean, they they have. They have to discontinue. We we can't continue to every six months, every year, every other year. However, how often, you know, we can't continue to have these incidents. Well, I, and I wanted to ask you, because you are, are trained in, in, you know, these type of situations. Um, and I forgot who it was that uh, made this video that said that from their professional experience, what it looked like. And this this is not confirmed. This is just their opinion. Um, based on their experience, but it said it looked like he drew his weapon out. Um, and, and the only example I can give is kind of like in a movie when somebody puts a gun in your back and says, you know, don't move or stop strong. You stop because you feel the gun in your back. Right. So it looked like he put the gun to him to say, you know, stop struggling, freeze, had his hand on the trigger. And when the guy left up, the firearm went off. It was now, an AD what we call it, an accidental discharge. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Now, um, in that scenario, I've heard, once again, various stories. I've heard that, you know, yes, that is a way to handle the situation if you're trying to calm a situation down. The threat of being shot would do that. But I also heard that you don't pull your firearm out unless you intend to use it. And you definitely don't have your hand on the trigger unless you are, you're intending to pull the trigger. Right, so, right. And that thought process, once again, this is just a theory. Um, you know, there's no credible evidence of this. But when I, when I heard that and I watched the video, it does seem like he was totally surprised when mm -hmm. the gun kind of went off. Um, and you see the struggle and him pull out the gun and try to put it towards his back. Um, so what is your thought process on yeah, I, I believe that uh, wholeheartedly. You know, I don't know that officer personally, mm -hmm. but I don't I truly don't believe that his intent was to go out and murder a black man that day. Mm -hmm. I don't believe his intent, even in the middle of that struggle, was to kill Patrick. I truly don't. That's that's my personal opinion. Sure. Everyone has one. Sure. Um, 
I believe exactly as you described when you saw the video, I saw the same thing. Um, when he pulled his firearm out first, you know, movies and television will tell you that, oh, you can stand up and fight and grapple with this person for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's that's just not the truth. You know, I tell you from experience, I'm gassed after about 45 seconds of wrestling. Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, and if anything, that video shows you that officer was exhausted. Mm -hmm. And truth be told, Patrick probably was as well, but his adrenaline was what was pushing him. And, um, but yeah, I, I believe wholeheartedly exactly as you described, I believe the officer was tired. Um, he didn't want to lose his taser per se. That's a whole nother topic that we can get into if you'd like. But, um, I believe he did draw this firearm in an attempt to try to control the subject Mm -hmm. and, you know, We've all seen the video. You see when Patrick kind of lurches up, he tries Mm -hmm. to push him down and the gun goes off. Mm -hmm. Um, What I think is most sad about it is that I believe he knows in his heart of hearts he didn't mean to shoot him. But for his own criminal defense, he'll never say, I accidentally did that because it looks worse. He has to say, I was in fear of my life. Therefore, I did. Because that's the only way it makes sense that this man's dead. Well, I was in fear of my life. He was going to get my taser. So I had to do this. Mm-hmm. When I believe wholeheartedly, anyone who watches the video sees that that was, that was an accident. Right, right. Now, in, in that, and when, the, when we had the discussion about whether or not it was accidental or not, um, one person made the point that, and they even sent me the Michigan mm-hmm. State, like, um, rules for law enforcement mm-hmm. officers. And mm-hmm. one of the rules said that on a misdemeanor uh, charge, you should never draw your weapon unless you feel that you are in imminent danger or someone right. around you is in imminent danger. Right. So the person you know, was basically saying, regardless if it was an, a, an accident or not, it might not be murder, but it certainly right. should be negligible homicide because mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you didn't perform your duties properly, which resulted in someone's death. Um, But some people are saying when the taser came involved and it looks like he's trying to take the taser away, well, then it's not just a misdemeanor anymore. It becomes something more, which, Mm -hmm. you know, they might use as a defense. What's Mm -hmm. your thought process about that? First, whether or not, um, you know, the struggle with the taser changed the the dynamic of the interaction. And then two, um, when you start struggling with someone, does that, you know, kind of exacerbate the issue as opposed to more than just a misdemeanor? Because if we go just solely off of what he was pulled over for, then no, you're not supposed to draw your weapon on anything this minor. But then right. as things unfolded, did that situation change? Right, right. So, you know, there's there's so many variables to it, you know. When, when I when I look at it and the training that I know of and have from law enforcement, mm-hmm. there's a, to my knowledge, there's a policy in Grand Rapids right now, for example, if they run the plate on my car and it comes back, Mark Garner has a suspended license. Mm-hmm. If they turn the red and blues on mm-hmm. and I take off down the street doing 80 miles an hour, mm-hmm. they won't, they won't pursue because I'm now creating more of a danger to society by driving a hundred miles an hour down Franklin street than me simply not having a license. Sure. Sure. Okay. So I look at it, you know, as you said, it's a misdemeanor, it's a civil infraction um, Mm -hmm. that, that stopped originally wrong plate, wrong car, whatever, what have you. Yep. And even once the resisting started, you know, to me, that's that's resisting a peace officer. Yeah. Where it turns into a felony is if he had become combative. And I think the video shows neither Patrick nor the officer were ever combative with one another. Right. He was resisting. He was trying to flee. Yes. He was trying to get away. Mm-hmm. But Patrick nor the officer ever punched, kicked hit, spit, scratch one another. They never did that, either one of them. So it was never combative where I, if I 
I don't see where the fear of one's life would have come into play. Sure. And like like you said, the only time you pull your you pull your firearm is if there's an immediate mm-hmm. threat of physical right. harm or death to you or another. That is literally the definition of deadly force. And that's the conversation that needs to take place here. Mm-hmm. Why was deadly force utilized mm-hmm. when those things were not met yet? Sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that makes sense. sense. That makes sense, definitely. Um so you know, a police officer has a few different means at their disposal um, to either de-escalate a situation or control a situation, I think would be a better term. So you have your belly club, you have your mace, you have mm-hmm. your taser, and then ultimately you do have your firearm. Is right. there a procedure or process that you go through um, right. when you're dealing with someone like this? Or is it just the police officer's judgment? as far as what what to use and when to use it. Right. Well, you hear that quite a bit, um, officer discretion. Yeah. And to me, that's a cop-out. Like, you know, if if I were involved in a situation like that, I can't be like, hey, homeowner discretion. I, you know? Right, um, right, right. And it's, it's, you know, legally the term is escalation of force, you know? And there's plenty as you as you as you said you know there's there's chemical spray or chemical agents you can implement there's batons possibly if the officer still carries a baton a flashlight um a taser mm-hmm. but the thing about it too though and just being totally honest sure sure we're, we're open here how would how would how would our community have received it if that officer grabbed a flashlight and started beating on him with it Right. He, yeah. he, would, he would have been wrong there, too, according to our community, you know, um, had he hit him with a nightstick, you know, mm-hmm. there in my honest opinion, there has to be there has to be an understanding here as well that, you know, there were things that were done that caused this situation to start and take place. Not saying it's right. Not saying it's wrong. Sure. You know, um, but to go from you know, de-escalation to lethal force, like there's a lot of steps that have been skipped and, right. you know, to jump to that final conclusion so quickly is, mm-hmm. is irrelevant. It's, it's unacceptable, you know, right. what it is. Now, <clears throat> as far, and, and this was a question I had, cause I said, I've, I've been at college parties where the police come to clear out the party. People don't leave. They spray some of their chemical agent in the air. Mm-hmm. Everybody started moving out, you know. So I've I haven't felt that firsthand that someone sprayed it on me, but I've been in the vicinity where I'm like, I gotta get out of here. Um, it ain't good, <laughs> right? But, but then I, I some people have said, oh no, there's people who will stand up and you can hit them full face with that, and you know they'll have minor discomfort, but they'll keep coming. So how right. effective? Because that was my thing is that. You know, if I if I got him on the ground and I'm on his back, I take out my mace and hit mm-hmm. him in the face with that and tell yep. him, look, I will empty this can out on you if you don't, mm-hmm. you know, and people are saying, no, you know, you've seen too much of Hollywood. Somebody can still, you know, do do damage to you, even though you sprayed them in the face with the chemical agent. So what's your right. take on that? So it, it is true, you know, chemical agent is a great tool to have as, as part of your kit. However, um, you know, there are certain individuals that may be able to walk through that. It may not affect them um, as much as it does someone else. It really doesn't. Plus, when when you deploy chemical agents, you anyone who sprays pepper spray mm-hmm. also has to accept, I'm going to be pepper sprayed as well. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, but now here's my thing. Why can't we at least try? Exactly. Right. You know, that was never that was never an option that you went for, considered, Mm -hmm. thought about, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. especially with someone that I'll say again, wasn't being combative. Mm -hmm. It is an option. My thing is try everything you can before you take a life. Right. 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 If if someone breaks into my house with all the training and firearms that I have in here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say stop first. Right. I'm right. not going to hear the window buzz and start right. sending rounds through the door. Right. right. You know, right. 
So right. I'm going to use everything that I can before I jump to deadly force. Right. You know? right. And so, yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's easy to Monday money, Monday morning quarterback situations. Sure. I totally get that, but sure. you, just, you can't refute what we all saw and right. what was missing in it, you know? Right. You really right. Can't. And I, I think pepper spray would have, it, it's at least an option, you know, it really right. is, you right. know? So. There, there was a good point made that, you know, when he was running away or, or jogging away or whatever the case may be, instead of tackling him, if you would use pepper spray, at the very least, it would have been hard for him to run away from the scene because right. now you're dealing with the – even if it's not totally effective, you, you're disorientated now. You right. can't see as much as you would. You don't have, you know, full vision. So it, it could have uh, made that situation a lot different. And once again, you're right. We're being Monday morning quarterback. But the thing that I keep hearkening back to is that I'm a I'm a I'm a civilian. I have no mm-hmm. formal training whatsoever. You know, outside of being in you know barroom fights, I have no <laughs> training whatsoever in this. At the same time, um, these gentlemen have training. Um, and then the question comes in: Do they have enough training? You being a right. professional in training people in these situations, right. do you feel the police have enough training, not only in the physical aspect of these situations, but in the mental and de-escalation portion of these types right. of situations? Right. So I'll sum it up like this. I think, obviously, all departments could use more training. But more than anything, what you just hit on the head is they need more experience. Right. I can I can you can train me how to fight. Mm-hmm. But if I've never had someone punch me in the face. Right. You know, it's like right. Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until you get punched, you get in, punched the in the face. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. And having that real life experience compared mm-hmm. to being in a padded room on a mat with an instructor in a safe environment and you're being trained. That's right. different, man. Yeah. And and sometimes it's hard for people to, you know, use that on the street. Now, I'll say this because in my circles, it's come up a lot about how the officer, before they saw the video, he mm-hmm. should have had more Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which specializes in ground fighting. Right. And I've done that stuff. And they're like, he should have been able to do this and that. Well, and there is there is truth to it. Um. But I thought the officer honestly did a phenomenal job of trying to keep him down, mm-hmm. being outweighed probably by 70, 80 pounds. I really did. I thought he did a good job. I think that's also why he was exhausted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you have to go into a situation like that with a mentality of I'm going to win this fight. Right. You know, you can't go into a limp wrist and not be prepared and ready to do whatever you got to do to win that fight. You like, you know, you have to dominate in those in those type of situations and environments, you know, Um, or you don't engage. You know, that's that's another big, you know, in in that matter. You know, it's like, you know what, if I'm tired, I'm exhausted. If I have his ID, I have the car, I have his friend in the vehicle, Mm -hmm. I'm going to disengage. You know, disengage, draw your firearm, stay on the ground. Because Mm -hmm. if he did that, I mean, truth be told, I think Patrick would have gotten up and ran away. He never tried to attack him. It was never combative. Right. Um, And, you know, everyone lives. But that's not the outcome that we're in. Right, right. And and, um, just briefly, you know, when we were talking about tasers, what do you think of the officer who mistakenly put their gun instead of their taser because once again we hear you know on on social media we hear so many experts who have no idea what they're talking about and um but in this instance people say that the weight the feel is very different you know the difference Mm -hmm. you having used so many different techniques to guard people uh Mm -hmm. what's your thought process on that you know it's it's an unfortunate accident that has happened um and I believe those officers should be held accountable for it because they had a lapse of judgment where they literally grabbed the wrong tool. Right. And what you see nowadays with law enforcement is you notice their tasers are bright yellow. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. And then they train them to keep their taser on their opposite gun side. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a mental thing that mm -hmm. you have to be repetitive about in your training. Um, I'm a lefty. If I move my left hand, I know I'm going toward my firearm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Moving your right hand, you're going towards your taser, you know. And it's typically what we would call a cross draw. Mm -hmm. So it would, you know, it's if you're a lefty, the taser would be on your right side. Mm -hmm. And people assume, well, that's so they can grab it with their right hand. No, they still will grab it with their dominant hand, right. which is where I think the issue comes into play. Mm -hmm. Because you're still using your dominant gun hand to grab mm -hmm. the less than lethal. And right. it's so easy in training to just go straight down and grab your firearm. Right. You know? Right. Um, the 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 unfortunate incident with the uh, female deputy who mm -hmm. grabbed her firearm and shot the shot the individual in the back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's clear as day that that was an accident. The 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 deputy yelled taser 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 mm -hmm. to let the other officers know to move. Right. Um, because in her mind, she had grabbed her taser, but it was actually her firearm. So. Right. Um, right. Yeah. That's so, unfortunate situation. Right. But still, you have to be held accountable for it. Someone lost their life because of your mistake. You right. don't just get a oopsie and right. get to go back to work. Right. Took someone's life. That's a criminal act. Right. You know, I, and I look at everything from a civilian perspective. If you or I did that, they're going to throw the book at us. There's right. no different. You know, right. you don't you don't get a blank check because of your title or occupation. You right. know, justice right. is justice supposedly for everybody you know sure sure mm -hmm. now all of this all the session we had here um should make people number one mm -hmm. to be honest um have more training if right. they own a firearm um to be like you said you might not have the real world experience but at least the repetitive nature of mm -hmm. your training would at least help you in these situations right. So mm -hmm. I got to say, you guys are right there in Grand Rapids. You guys train mm -hmm. not only for CPL, but also tactical uses. So yeah. let's start with the CPL and, and the, the firearm training. Um, if someone wanted to take your classes, how would they get in touch with you? So um, our website for uh, Legion Tactical is legiontactical.net. Um, you can go there. There's, a, there's not a questionnaire, but just a comment, contact us section. Um, that will come directly to me. I am, I am very, very particular on who I even train. Um, cool. You know, it's funny. I've been an instructor now for a few years and I've trained thousands of people. And I say this humbly, every single person that I've trained, I know personally, I've never had a guest that I didn't know myself in any of my classes. Um, and a lot of other instructors are, they're kind of blown away by that because they're like, man, your classes are always full. Um, you always have a ton of students, but you know, for me, it's not just the monetary gain. It's the information that is being provided um, and um, just networking. So, you know, if, if you, if you're someone I don't know, I'm not saying I wouldn't consider you and bring you in, but it would be, um, a conversation that would take place first. And I would try to find out what's your level of knowledge and understanding with firearms. Are you a novice? Are you ex-current prior military law enforcement, security, anything of that nature? Um, I always just try to get a feel for who am I, who am I around? Who am I going to be dealing with? Who is going to have a loaded firearm at some point, you know, at a gun range with me? Um, you know, there was, there's, there's a horrible story from 2013 very famous American Navy SEAL, Chris Kyle, um, the best American sniper in history. He went to the gun range with a buddy to train an individual who was an ex-Marine. And that Marine killed both of them at the gun range because he had mental health issues. You know, wow. Wow. Um, so I think about those things, man, when people approach me or uh, fill out that information and want to take one of my classes. I do background checks on people. You don't have to, but I do. You know, mm -hmm. um, owning absolute. I have a I have a background uh, mm -hmm. program that I pay for to be able to search people. So mm -hmm. I do that stuff. And 
you know, I'll be honest, it's not often, but there's been a couple of times where I've rejected people because I'm like, you know what? I think you I think you're better fit for a different class is, is how I'll try to spin it. But I mean, if they really wanted to know, I'd have no problem telling them like, nah, dude, yeah, this ain't for you. Yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So that's the kind of tactical portion of it where, you know, you're trading more in depth, how to move while firing, you know, yeah. in those situations. As far as your security company, Absolute Security Group, um, you know, kind of tell us what your ideal clients are. So if there's any personality or, or company um, or organization that needs security, um, right. they would uh, they would think of you guys. Well, when it comes to security and protection at this stage of the game, I mean, we really run the gamut on it. We, we offer every level of security from you know, the personal protection, executive detail with the black suit and the tie yep. to that guy guarding the apartment complex in the front mm -hmm. lobby that people mm -hmm. see as they enter their building. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we really provide it all. We um, and I didn't mention that earlier, but I have an extensive career in armored trucking work um, oh, wow. and I, I have one one uh, truck that I do armed courier work in Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. um, so. I mean, we, we do it all. We really do. We, wow. we, we really, really do. I would say what our niche is, though, is definitely executive protection. That is that is that is our bread and butter. That's what we started with um, in my in my home office here. I have this picture hanging up here that is the original 10, 10 people on my team when we first started. Okay. And, uh, you know, and I, I always, always remember that of. Just remember where you came from. Remember what you're good at, you mm -hmm. know, because it's something that has the ability to continue to evolve. I never would have thought that we would be guarding a family of uh, an individual killed by law enforcement. Never thought that we'd be guarding an attorney or, you know, I a funeral, you know. Right. Right. Um, so it's constantly evolving and you have to evolve with it. But. You know, it's important to just know your strengths, know your weaknesses, you know, and don't work outside those boundaries if you're not prepared for it. So but sure. we, we do it all. We really do. If, if it pertains to security, we do it. Um, even just uh, document um, transportation, legal documents for law firms, process mm. serving, things that we, we do it all. Mm. You said when you said armored cars, I don't know why, but my mind <laughs> immediately thought of uh, the town. To move yeah. about uh, armored car robberies in Boston and all of that. But, right. Yeah, I don't know why that came to mind. But um, so we have uh, Absolute Security Group. We have Legion Tactical. Um, the reason why we had you on um, is not just because you were involved in the unfortunate situation, but we do this because we want to show people that, you know, someone in your community can start their own business and mm -hmm. flourish and yeah. do that in many different industries. Um, a lot of question, a lot of the questions that we have is there's a lot of people out there that um, have a, a um, have an idea. They want to bring that idea to fruition. They want to start their own business, but they're scared. They're kind of on that ledge and they don't want to take that, that uh, leap. Um, yeah. To those people who are, who are on the edge and want to take the leap, but are scared you know, you took that plunge yourself. So what would you tell them? Man, I would, I would remind them that that's literally how this entire nation was built by people with that mentality, people who were willing to take that leap and to try something different, to try something new. Um, you don't know what you succeed at until you fail at something. Sure. sure. And you can't fail at anything if you don't try is right. my mentality on it. So right. what's it going to harm you? Go right. for it. You can always build back up. You know, right. I just my thing was, you know, I was working for a corporation in the armored truck industry and had a good cushion salary desk job. Mm -hmm. But it was like, man, I'm supposed to be doing more. This isn't it. Sure. Sure. So, you know, yeah, you got a family to provide for. You got this. You got that. Yeah, I do. But I don't want to be 70 going, man, I wish I would have, could have, should have. I want right. to try it. You know, right. Um, right. So, yeah, anyone who's having those reservations, man, talk with your spouse, talk to your family, talk to the Lord about it, pray about it, man. And, and, and I'd say go for it. Truly. You know, awesome. Awesome. Well, we'd just like to say, first of all, 
thank you for the work you, you're doing. Um, you know, Absolutely. it was it was scary when we heard that the family and people involved in the situation were getting death threats and and you know mm -hmm. things of that nature. But to know that there is a a company out there, a person out there who is willing to put their lives in jeopardy to make sure that there is no more tragedy involved in the right. situation. You you need right. to be commended, and I thank you for that. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I truly do. Thank you. No doubt. Um, thank you very much for coming on, man. Uh, we'd love to have you back. Uh, you know, in a few weeks or months, see how you guys are doing. Promote your industry again. But well, thank you very much for coming on. And we're All signing right. up you for the next class. Well, see, he's right. annoying though, so we can't. Right. I don't right. think. It's it's all good. We'll we get we'll we we'll get it figured out. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks a lot, man. Take care, right, man. God right. bless you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, that was uh that was pretty interesting. I knew it would be a good conversation um, because I've known Mark for some time. Full disclosure, we did a lot of their uh, initial marketing for Absolute Security. We also did uh, the initial marketing for uh, Legion Tactical. Um, so we seen him when he was kind of not starting out, but in those beginning phases of getting his businesses together. Um, so, um, you know, out of where he's gone, without a doubt, we consider he's him growing. a friend. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I thought someone that was kind of in an inner loop of what was going on after the situation happened would be a good person to have on with his, with his experience to get his view on you know the perspective from the family from the um the individual who tragically died as well as the police officer as well um you know i'm in agreement that do i think that the officer had in his mind i'm gonna shoot this guy no um but i do believe that oftentimes racial bias comes into these situations and there's a um you know there's sometimes there's a fear automatically of the big yeah. black guy you know what I'm saying? To be totally honest. Um, and I do feel that he was losing that situation. So um, the gentleman would have been able to get away um, and he didn't want that to happen. So he was going to use his gun as an equalizer. And then, quite frankly, because of his negligence, that gun went off and a life was lost. Um, now, I don't know where or what charge that comes under. Some people say involuntary manslaughter. Some people say negligent homicide. Some people say first degree murder. Um, whatever it is, I believe that there should be consequences for those actions because I believe through um, direct incompetence, neglect, however you want to frame it, there's a life lost. Um, so with that, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you guys got... Um, kind of some additional information from a professional as far as this was concerned. And then on top of that, um, regardless of how you feel, you got to pray for the family because the family is hurting because a loved one was lost, um, you know, through a basic traffic stop. So um, no matter what your thought process is on this, pray for the family because they certainly need it. Um, they deserve it in this type of situation and uh, be mindful. I, you know, I always say when we end these um, podcasts, watch your six. Um, and I mean that, you know what I'm saying? These are dangerous times. Uh, like they said, mental health issues are at an all time high. Um, so you guys be careful out there. Yes. Anything you would like to say, sit up? No. See you next week. All right. Everybody, see same you guys time, next week. Same place. Watch your six for real. Peace out. Lock on.